The preaching text this morning comes to us from Psalm 107. Listen. Give thanks to the Lord, for the Lord is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in desert wastelands finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and they were thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way, to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for humankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. May God bless the reading and the hearing of those words. So last night, I saw the movie, A Man Named Otto. I I don't know if it was a great film, but, but I loved it. And it was, without giving too much away, it was about a curmudgeonly older man who was quite angry at life particularly because it had taken away his beloved wife. She'd been his light. She'd been his reason for living. And in her absence, he pretty much snaps at everything and everybody. And as the story begins to unfold, you discover that he wants to take his own life and so join his wife on the on the other side but something happens a young family with two young children move into the neighborhood and they're quirky and they're messy He's OCD. And they don't live orderly lives. They don't follow the rules. But they are immensely big hearted. And they're kind and they are attentive. 
and they are generous and they are forgiving. And the wife of this family, whose name is Marisol, is just a remarkable character. And Otto and Marisol developed this beautiful friendship. And again, without giving too much away, because I'd love for you to see it, that relationship reawakens Otto's heart. And that relationship gives Otto a renewed sense of his purpose in life. So why am I talking about a man named Otto? Because the movie is about redemption. And that's what Cheryl and I are talking about this morning. Redemption. And I think it's probably important for us to start with a working definition of redemption. It's really about the movement in a person's life from a lesser state to a bigger state. Redemption is really about the gift of awakening. Awakening to a more expansive perspective. It's about moving away from, I guess what I would call a negative or cynical outlook on life to something that is much more positive and much more purposeful. Redemption is about being set free. Redemption is about connection. Redemption is about the restoration of one's heart in relationship to what is, and then also in relationship to what might be. Redemption's about living with more faith and more hope. So we chose the psalm this morning, Psalm 107, because it uses the language of redemption. And it assumes that we all need more of it, whether we've stopped to think about it or not. This psalm assumes that God is essential to a bigger and more hopeful perspective on our lives. And it assumes that God, what does God want for us? God wants to infuse our hearts with more connection and more purpose. The psalm was actually written when the Hebrew people were in exile. So a people in exile have lost their freedom, they've lost their joy, they've lost their sense of hope. But this psalm is telling us something really important. No matter what state of mind we may be in, personally or as we look at the world, the psalm is saying that 
God is never finished with us. God's not finished with us. God's always busy. God does not give away power to despair. It may come slowly. We all know that that's true. But God is restoring hope. And so giving each one of us a reason for hope. Because that's who God is. That's essential to the character of God. We don't give power to cynicism or fatalism or despair. We trust that either something new is being born or something new can be born. God is the new reality. Replacing whatever was before. So Cheryl, will you come up here? This is a little dialogue sermon here. I just want to know what Cheryl thinks about redemption. You know, redemption is not something that I actively think about. Right. Um, It's something I feel. And all of us have been led to believe, and if I think about redemption intuitively, that it's this conclusion to all the challenges. For me, it's knowing that these challenges exist and living into them, not in any kind of straight line, but in a zigzaggy way, in a way of becoming, in a way of always reconnecting to a better path, even if the path doesn't go like this. It's actually when the path goes like this. You guys familiar with that? (laughs) You know, that zigzaggy, two steps forward, two steps back. How I wish it were a straight path. I do too. But it's an actually feeling it and knowing that you're on the path or seeing it, that you know that the path exists. It's a mental freedom. And whenever I see it or I feel it, I'm always moved. I mean, you had Otto um, last night, but I go back to Scrooge. Christmas is a couple months ago now, but Scrooge. Forrest Gump, like always kind of finding the path. Um, the movie Up, which reminded me of the character in Otto, the, the grumpy old guy who just was ready to not be there, who gets there in an aerial path that he never knew existed. Um, the character Ted Lasso. He's Mm. in the wrong place at the wrong time, but somehow finds himself, even in the worst of times, redeemed. I work every day with mentally ill patients, patients who have mental illness, addiction, or both. And um, talk about seeing redemption. (laughs) It's never something that, redemption, this is it, it's right here. It's just seeing that, for me, as a clinician, seeing literally sometimes a rap sheet of life where the path was never made clear, where the path was never felt, or where the path that people took was a path of 
you know, the ego, a path of impulse, a path of redemption for the next two hours. And it never got them exactly where they wanted on the path. But seeing that for many of these people, there is a way to regain the path and to regain some kind of wholeness. Hmm. And when I witness that, as someone who walks with them, it's probably one of the greatest privileges of what I do. Hmm. And of seeing someone who doesn't know that redemption is there for them find at least a sight that the road is over there. Redemption ultimately is something I do feel, personally, professionally. And for me, I think the times other than those movies or those moments with people that I feel the most, the time that takes my breath away, Hmm. literally, is when I do a funeral or a graveside service. Hmm. And I, when I do this service, I always go back to liturgies that I love. And one of the liturgies I use is I acknowledge in these words, we commend to you, your servant, acknowledge a sheep of your own fold, a lamb of your own flock, a sinner of your own redeeming. Hmm. Receive them into the arms of your mercy, into the blessed rest of peace, and to the glory of the saints in light, because we know that our Redeemer lives. This closing moment in this time of such great sadness, a time when a physical human life is over, that there is a bigger redemption, a bigger path, no matter what their life represented, no matter how they lived or how they died, that even in the end, (laughs) there is this moment of redemption There is this other path that is joined, that is felt, and unites us all, no matter who we are. Every single person at that graveside or a funeral is somehow united in that moment, Hmm. in that redemption. I often can't always get the words out. I have to consciously think about it. Hmm. That's redemption for me. I love it. And the promise... The promise of that, no, no matter what, that's where it ends. But, but I'm, all, I'm stuck still. I'm a little stuck still because, so let me go backwards for one second. It's interesting how this psalm reads. Like it reads as if as if God has redeemed all these terrible situations. The people were in slavery in Egypt and God brought them out of slavery. People were hungry in the wilderness and God fed them in the wilderness. People were shackled in prison and God undid the injustice and set them free. But here's where I get stuck. I I get stuck because I look out over the world and I think about redemption and the evidence is not overwhelming. So I've got to stop there for, for just one second. There's faithful people all over the world who are praying every day. I've seen them. I've seen them. I've seen God fearing people. Praying for redemption. 
and nothing changes. And freedom is more like a pipe dream. Think about the women in Afghanistan under the rule of the Taliban. I think just last week about the release of that footage in Memphis. Tired Nichols beaten during a routine traffic stop. Beaten to the point of death and first responders watch him. (coughs) He died three days later. And let me assure you that faithful people were praying. And they continue to pray. But do their cries inspire or unleash redemption? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm left wondering. Where is the hope? And what does redemption look like? And, and, and what does it mean for us to be awakened? Because that's surely the cry for each one of us and then all of us collectively to be awakened. And why do we need to be awakened? So that we could actually trust in a better future. Who doesn't want to trust in a better future? So sometimes when I think about redemption, I simply think it starts as an awakening of the conscience. An awakening of our deep and then deeper and then deepest connection to one another. A movement in each one of us away from indifference to a spirit of contrition. Spirit of compassion. So timely and almost ironic that yesterday I found an article that had been stuck in my mail slot. I don't even usually look in my mail slot. So don't put anything in there. But I opened it up yesterday and it was an article about a pastor who had gone to Africa for the first time. Did any of you leave that? If you did, raise your hand. My man. This is, this is what he writes. It rocked my world in ways that I never anticipated. Kind of the way Cheryl was talking about working at Silver Hill. Seeing with my own eyes the extreme poverty, the lack of access to clean water, preventable diseases, made me wonder, he writes, how I could have been so willfully blind. I wasn't sure what, if anything, I could do. But God spoke so clearly to me and told me to apologize to the world 
for the kind of church we had been. Interesting, right? We usually say, well, whatever happened is not my problem, or I'm not responsible for that thing that happened in the past. And then this article goes on, and a few days later, the pastor, whose name was Keith Stewart, he took out a full-page ad in the Dallas Morning News. A full-page ad. Imagine what that cost. This is what it said. We, the church, have followed trends when we should have followed Jesus. We told others how to live when we should have listened. We live now in a land of plenty, denying ourselves nothing while ignoring our neighbors who actually have nothing. We have sat for too long on the sidelines. We were wrong. We are sorry. Please forgive us. Redemption takes many, many forms. And maybe one of them is the awakening of the heart. The awakening of our conscience. Which reminds us all how deeply connected we are to one another. And how much it matters if we imagine or aspire to create a better future. So I sit on this big idea, this big topic, and I come to the conclusion that I need redemption and we need redemption as much or more than we ever have desperately and daily. I know that for me, and Cheryl alluded to this, I I need to be awakened over and over and over again. I need to see the places where I slumber, where I'm indifferent, where I'm less than mindful, and where I am ungrateful. Because God sees And God creates a better way for us to be in our lives. Sigmund Freud, who was, you know, kind of a pervert, (laughs) did say some incredible things. And one of them, that that took Griffin out. (laughs) No Freud? Well, here's what Freud said once. Most people don't really want freedom because freedom demands responsibility and most people are frightened of responsibility, which makes a ton of sense to me because responsibility is finally and truly waking up to the choices that God has given us, which is certainly what redemption is. 
waking up to the choices that God has certainly given to us. So Earl is about to stand up and sing a classic piece, Redemption Song. It's considered one of the great songs ever. Bob Marley writes and sings about what was, what was taken away, what needs to be restored. Old pirates, yes, they rob, sold to merchant ships. Minutes after they took from the bottomless pit, but my hand was made strong by the hand of the Almighty. We forward in this generation triumphantly. Won't you help to sing these songs of freedom? Won't we help to sing these songs of freedom? Won't we help to sing? these songs of freedom.
They say it's just a part of it. We've got to fulfill the book. Won't you help to sing? Cause all I ever 